Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast Season 13, Episode 4. Season opening arc, Future State, is concluding today and there is much rejoicing. We'll have more conversation about the Future State as a whole at the end of the podcast, but I think we've all enjoyed some of the comics and not enjoyed other of the comics, so kind of comics as usual, but in the future. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me my fellow co-hosts. This is Steph. And this is Theo. We have a bunch of news. <laughs> so our first bit of news is something that dropped today. Um, DC revealed a preview of the upcoming Generations Forged book um, and talks about a concept called the Linearverse. So in addition to the Omniverse, we have the Linearverse. So the Omniverse is the idea that everyone remembers all of their history. But the Linearverse is like a corner or a pocket universe or a multiverse section in which... The characters are literally 80 plus years old, including the civilians. So like Jim Gordon is as old as Batman and they were adults in 1939 when they were first created. So it's very, it reminds me. And I think Theo also mentioned that it reminds us of the, um, the life story series that Marvel did with Spider-Man and they're going to start with the Fantastic Four soon where they have Peter Parker and the Fantastic Four age in real time. So he starts out as a teen kid and then he lives through four decades uh, and he ends up being like a 60, 70 year old man in the final story. But in the linear verse, they're not actually aging. So they just have experienced 80 years of time and this kind of annoys me because it's the same idea as the sliding time scale where they actually do experience everything in the time periods, but time moves differently. And so they actually move forward in time without aging, but it's not actually supposed to be 80 years. Whereas this linear verse is actually supposed to be 80 years of history for one person. And that just seems unnecessary and confusing to me. Do you guys think it's actually a good idea or what do you think? What stories can you tell? I mean, all no of the stories to the elderly, but I mean, I don't see my eighty-year-old grandpa swinging from rooftop to rooftop. <laughs> um, he's more talking and more mentory. I mean, is it just going to be all these mentors mentoring each other? Well, my understanding what? is that they're not aging. They they are sort of oh. like Captain America and or. Let's see. Someone who has what? an anti-aging serum. Oh, it, it, it doesn't. Okay. It, 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 it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. And and I will only say that if 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 this was the original end result of what we were going to get out of five G, I'm kind of happy they dumped Dan Didio. I still don't like the, this idea. Just you know, like I said on the server, if if you would tell me that. Bruce doesn't age because he had his own personal Lazarus pit hidden under the cave or, or that that conscious swiping machine that was used to bring him back after Super Heavy was always in continuity. You know, I I could possibly fall for that after a few drinks or something like that. <laughs> but I I'm I'm just not I'm just not getting this. Um, I'm really just not getting it. It, it doesn't make sense. 
It sounds like a gimmick or a setup you do for like a joke issue. Like, oh, Robin, do you remember back in 1966 when the Batmobile was, you know, flame powered or whatever? It, you know, sort of like something that Bat might or uh, Mister Mixel Pixel would do. Pixelic. Yeah, like it sounds. It does not sound like a serious story you would tell. If that's like, if they're looking in their 30s and 40s, but remembering things from 1935 in 2021, that doesn't make sense. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what stories they announce for this universe. Hopefully few. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not super excited about this. Uh, Is that going to be like main continuity reading or is that? Oh, God, I bet not. Optional. From what I'm getting (laughs) is it's going to be more like an Elseworlds, except and this is another confusing thing. They're having an Elseworlds title that's actually about the Justice League teaming up with the Legion of Doom. And that's not what Elseworlds is. And I, I don't know. All this timeline multiverse stuff isn't being handled super well, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's not in main continuity since they since they took uh, generations shattered out of out of continuity. Also, at least from how I read it, you know, I don't see neither shattered nor forged as being with. And even though they mention things that happened in main continuity. I just can't see how, I mean, DC just, they can't leave well enough alone as they constantly try to fix all of the issues that they've purposely, well, uh, yeah, that they purposely messed up with all of these crises along the way. And this is just another example of them attempting to fix something and just failing at it. I just, until I see more that can make me change my, that, that makes me want to change my mind. I'm, nah. Yep, I'm with you, Theo. But the next thing is actually a bit more exciting, I would say, which is uh, we have a Batman '89 comic, and this is a uh, actually written by the screen one of the screenwriters for the Batman '89 movie with Michael Keaton and the sequel, Batman Returns. It's going to be illustrated by Joe Quinones, who was working on Dial H for Hero with Sam Humphreys and has really a gorgeous art style. It's based on notes and plans that Sam Hamm and Tim Burton had for the third Batman movie before Warner Brothers went with Joel Schumacher instead. And I think most people are speculating that they're going to have a black Robin. Uh, because Marlon Wayans was apparently going to be Robin before Schumacher cast Chris O'Donnell. So there'll, there'll and, be some really interesting stuff going on in this, uh, uh, this digital first miniseries that then will be released in print. Wasn't Billy, because Billy D. Williams was Harvey and he was he supposed was. to become Two-Face in the third movie, right? I believe they've mentioned Two-Face, so I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. <gasps> okay. I'm interested now. I was not on board, but now, now I, that does sound really fun. Yeah, thanks, Joe Schumacher. (laughs) (laughs) I um, I'm actually not super interested in this because I don't like those movies. I didn't watch them until after I watched the uh, Christopher Nolan films, and the Christopher Nolan films just were more things that spoke to me in terms of Batman. But I think it is really cool because there are tons of people who really love those movies, both new and old fans, and I'm glad they're going to get more. There was a side announcement that's not super relevant, but I thought it was fun. They're going to be doing a Superman '78 thing that takes place in the universe of the Christopher Reeve Superman films, but I think they're going to ignore Superman 3 and 4. <laughs> well, I, I, I do have an interest uh, in the 89 books, you know, considering 
I'm from the Middle Ages and and <laughs> Batman 89 was, you know, the first bat, real Batman film for me outside of the 66 series and the 66 movie. Did you and, see it you know, in theaters, me, Theo? Yes, I did. I've, I've nice. seen the only ones that I did not see was the Schumacher films in theater. I waited for cable at that point. Uh, Probably not a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, I actually no. like Batman Forever okay, but more for its potential than the actual film. Oh, I loved it because I was an idiot junior higher when I watched that one and I loved Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, um, poor thing. <laughs> uh, we also have an announcement of a one of their quarterly anthologies. It's going to be called uh, Festival of Heroes, and it's featuring all of DC's, or not all, but a lot of DC's Asian heroes. So uh, Cassandra Kane is front and center on the cover. And we also have Lady Shiva and Damien and um, uh, Talia al Ghul. Uh, so just lots and lots of Asian heroes. Um, it should be very exciting to see where this particular anthology goes. The story with Cass is going to be written by Mariko Tamaki and I believe illustrated by Marcus Toe. So that's a pretty cool combination. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like people who are not okay with Marcus Toe drawing Cassandra Cain should like think about their life choices. <laughs> I still just adore what he did with Cass in the, uh, the Red Robin series. That was really cool to see her as Black Bat just being really mature and uh, a great hero. And I'm hoping he brings that again. We have a digital first, another digital first anthology series called Legends of the Dark Knight. First story is going to be drawn and written by Derek Robinson, who is most famous for being the main artist for the Boys comic series. We also are going to have other stories by Becky Cloonan and a lot more artists and writers who have been announced. But I think it's cool. I think I've heard that these are going to be more in continuity. So hopefully that means they'll be referenced um, by other stories rather than just filler arcs that don't really affect anything. But uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. That was going to be my question. I wasn't sure whether or not this would fall more in line with continuity or if this would kind of pick up where volume two of uh, legends dropped off after it after it it ended. Yeah, um, I don't know for sure. I think I saw on Twitter, but I wasn't able to locate that quote that one of the people who's writing says that it's supposed to be connecting. But I don't know that for sure. James Tynan did a interview about his new Joker series, and there's a lot of cool stuff that he's talking about in terms of how it connects and what his plans are for the series and the fact that Joker is in the issues, but the protagonist is really Jim Gordon. But what I thought was new information and very exciting to me is that he says that Barbara Gordon will be functioning in an Oracle role and Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane will be her agents on the street, similar to what we saw in the Batman title. And I'm really excited to hear that they're actually going to be in the Joker title too, since I was planning on getting it. Now, this will throw some of my co-hosts into dismay because they are not planning on getting it. But But knowing that it's not... A Joker glorifying, or hopefully, it's not a Joker glorifying story, it makes it a little more palatable. Any book that's titled Joker is kind of Joker glorifying. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, mean, no, no, I know. you have a point there. I'm not going to deny yeah. you have a point. But I, I just can't resist the, the Jim Gordon. I love him, and he's been absent <laughs> for so long. 
Okay. We also had a bunch of new titles. Now, these are just titles. We don't know if they're ongoing series, miniseries, young adult, or middle grade graphic novels. They could be any of these things. But here's the titles we've got. Robin and Batman. Uh, well, I should I should say, these are the titles we have that are related to Batman. Robin and Batman, Joker, A Puzzle Box, Harley Quinn, Animated Series, Comic, The Legend of Batman, and a few others that might be related, but we don't know for sure, like Deathstroke, Inc., and I think there's a Teen Titans title. Robin and Batman, now that I'm thinking about it, that might be the long-awaited Carrie Kelly story that Ben uh-huh. Caldwell is illustrating with Frank Miller writing. And that's a young adult, or either middle grade or young adult graphic novel. And if that's the case, I'm very excited to hear this finally coming out, because they've been working on that for three years. I would be I would be okay with that as well, um, unless it's the return of Tomasi writing that book, but in main continuity. But no, I, I would be okay with Carrie Kelly. Yeah, and I mean Ben Caldwell's illustrations that he's done of Carrie Kelly on his Twitter are gorgeous. It's just so cute and energetic, and I just think it'll be really cool to see that executed in the in the whole sequential art. Last piece of news is Miracle Molly is a brand new character that James Tynan is going to be introducing in Batman number 108 in the month of May. And we've seen Jorge Jimenez's designs for Miracle Molly. She's part of like a post-human technological collective called the Unsanity Collective. And so there's definitely going to be a lot of psychological stuff as well as technological elements going into her. But I, I don't know. She's a cool design. I've liked all the designs for the characters. I just hope that Tynan's able to get her off and running in one issue instead of the three or four issues that he's taken for Ghost Hunter, Ghost Maker, Clown Hunter, and Punchline. All right. So that uh, wraps up our large news section. Let's get started on our reviews, starting first with the next Batman, number four, the finale. Story number one, The Next Batman, written by John Ridley, art by Laura Braga. Batman is being strangled from behind by Eric. As Eric moves closer, this allows Batman to slash his arm with a gauntlet, freeing himself from the choke coat. Eric explains that he attacked Batman because he wanted to protect his wife, Sarah. He begs Batman to tell the G- GCPD that it was he who murdered Josefsky. They prepare to leave for City Hall to meet with Detective Chuck. Before departing, Batman hands them each a device to use in case the peacekeepers get past him. There are 32 blocks between the abandoned church and City Hall. It doesn't take long, however, before the magistrate catches up with them and begins firing. As they come around for a second volley of gunfire, Batman instructs Sarah to throw the device he gave her, magnetic disc, at cycles chasing them. She does so, causing the motorcycles to collide with each other. Thirteen more blocks. More magistrate troops arrive. This time, they're led by Captain Sands. Batman concludes that they're not going to make it. Eric opens the door to the car and, before jumping out, reminds Batman that he was responsible for the murder, not his wife. Eric lands on the ground in the path of Stance's vehicle. Stance orders the driver to run him over. As the magistrate reaches Eric... He sets off the charge Batman gave him, blowing himself up with the vehicle. Batman swerves out of the way of a pedestrian and crashes into another vehicle. As he and Sarah exit the car, Batman is approached by Tanya, his mother. She goes to pull a gun on him, 
causing Jace to make a tough decision. He throws a battering, striking Tanya in her shoulder. Batman's then attacked by Stance, who has survived the blast from Eric's charge. The two battle before Stance pulls a knife on Batman. Jace, however, wrestles the knife from him, stabbing him in the shoulder with it. He begins to beat the downed trooper before he is stopped by Sarah. They take off to continue their journey. As they arrive at City Hall, where they meet Detective Chubb and her partner, they take Sarah into custody. Before leaving, however, Chubb shoots Batman in his armor, ensuring that she has done her job as a police officer. At Gotham Hospital, the Fox family is waiting outside of Tanya's room when Jace arrives. Luke ridicules his brother for not being there before their dad has Jace to go see his mother. In Tanya's room, Jace tries to comfort his mother, who is ridiculing Batman's, or Jace's, action. Jace ensures her that there will be time to discuss Batman later. Now, they just need to worry about being a family again. So we have the conclusion to the next Batman story, the flagship of the Gotham series in Future State. Steph was talking uh, earlier this week, or last week, about rereading issue one and feeling like some things were dropped. And I went back and checked the first issue, and there were a couple elements. Specifically, we have the Bane gang, the two kids Mm -hmm. that Batman saves, and Whitaker, the ex-cop who's practicing batting that Chubb talks to. Do you feel like those are dropped elements, or or how do you take those pieces that don't return in the, the other three issues of this series? Unless the second son is like a sequel prequel, <laughs> like it continues the future state Batman story while at the same time figuring out why he's there, and this is a setup for it. I don't. Yeah. Then this was an absolutely pointless conversation. They drew pages of this of of Chubb visiting an old partner, talking about a new partner. And it literally like there's no point. There's it's maybe a little bit of history for her that is unnecessary, unneeded and unused. So if this doesn't come up in Second Son, it will have been. I don't know. I don't want to say a complete waste of time. That's harsh. But, I mean, it was a waste of the artist's time. It was a waste of the writer's time. And, you know, it was page count. We could have gotten something else from, so. Simple answer, yes. But hold on. I need to press this rewind button (laughs) to go back to previous episodes and previous reviews where this notion of these gaps and mentioning one thing and never mentioning it again off panel land keeps, <laughs> uh, this is this is more than off panel land because at least in in off panel land at some point you get a continuation bruce and his dad both fight at the at the lazarus pit and then at the end of the issue the last panel shows a hand coming out well who's the first out well we don't know but eventually we find out that that it was uh, Bruce or Thomas who got out. You know, the answer is always there. We just don't know how it happens. But here, you don't get that at all. You know, you 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 see Whitaker in issue one, and you never see him again. You you get a glimpse that that perhaps he is being mentioned when Sarah and. Eric are being questioned by Batman and they mentioned the guy on the dark web who 
would help them who helped them mm-hmm. put the, the, the gimmick to get Josefsky and to kill him together. And, and, you know, just like when Chubb met with Whitaker, he said, you know, and she was talking about the, the rumored ex-cop. But, I mean, again, no no conclusion, just a bunch of stuff that is just left out of this. And it's a letdown with the overall story and my issues and my, my complaint isn't limited to just the next Batman. I mean, we see it with most of future state, you know, that while, you know, while there's of course the issues where not knowing where each issue falls in, in the timeline, you know, but there's just all these things that occurred that you just never see or, or hear again. And this is just, Another one of those examples. I tend to agree. Even though this is an extremely small story that really hinges around one murder by two civilians, they're not even super criminals, there's a lot of time that isn't spent getting to know Tim slash Jace. Like, we still don't know why he calls himself that. We don't know what this betrayal was that causes Luke to be so angry with him. There, there's just so much that I feel like this. You don't know what happened to Tam, right? Why is she in a coma? Like she was fine in James in James Tynan's Detective Comics run, and now she's in a coma. I'm like, why is this? Oh, I hate it when they do that to Tam because she was one of my favorite characters in Red Robin. I thought she was really cool. So it just feels like there's there's a lot of stuff in this story that should have been fine tuned a bit better. Or better yet, if you want to do this, just go ahead and do 5G. You don't have to call it 5G, but just for the six months that you are going to give 5G and just call it future state and call it today. But don't just leave these huge gaps in the story. That Well, here's that one me- theory that I have, which is that we know that the future state Gotham series is going to start with a six issue Red Hood story. But what if John Ridley decides to do a six issue next Batman story, you know, following that, because that seems like it's going to be a rotating cast. So Ridley could come back and do more stuff. And I think that would actually be good. It's just, I wish they'd tell us that. Or better yet, put it in order. (laughs) Yes. Shocking. Shocking idea. What is this nonsense of putting things in order? It just makes too much sense. That's, That's too much sense to do. Yeah. All right, so the next question I have... Oh, no, we already did all my questions for that. Do you guys have any questions or comments about the next Batman? I feel like we did a pretty thorough look at it with our comments. How do you think it ended? How do you feel about the ending? I don't think it did end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, uh, The thing that upset me the most was Tanya. I was like, if she's all justice blah 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 you can't fault someone for defending themselves when you point a gun at them it's like what did you want batman to do say oh yes please shoot me i shan't defend myself <sighs> whatever i mean and 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 it just what the 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 issue two or issue three whenever she was in the office talking to nakano she's just talking you know all this up about shoot for shooting first and and justifying just killing the mask. And yeah, I understand that, you know, before they, they left that scene, she said, believe me, I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to try, but come on. I feel like hers was the weakest character just because we don't understand her motivation and they seem conflicting. 
True. Especially yeah, after that interaction with, 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 with uh, Lucius. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of just mysterious stuff going on with, with Tanya that I don't understand. It, it was just a big letdown for me. I, I, I just wish it could have ended better. It, it, it should have ended better. And I know when you only have four issues to to tell a story, it, it, it restricts a lot about what you want to do. But it, it could have ended a whole lot better than what it did. All right, so let's move on to the second story, Batgirls, number two. Batgirls, part two, written by Vida Ayala, art by Anike. Underneath the Magistrate Detention Center, Cass uses an implanted key generator to get access to a secluded area of this facility, while Steph and the other inmates continue their riot. The guards give it up a hand, thanks to shock cuffs. But Cass disables them from below, allowing the battle to continue. While the fight goes on, Cass makes her way to her final destination, where she doesn't find Batman, as was planned, but a sedated Barbara Gordon, connected to wires. Cass frees her, and they go to make their escape, taking out more magistrate guards while doing so. The magistrate guards have regained control of the riot, as they make their move on their primary instigator, Steph. Before they can do their worst, a loud sound startles them. Oracle has returned to speak for the people of Gotham and the Resistance, who has arrived to provide an assist to the inmates. Back at the Resistance base, Babs and Dick reconnect and recollect over recent events. As they hug and kiss, Cass and Steph have their own recollections of how things have turned out for them and their new teammates from the now-closed detention center. As they watch the former inmates build their new camp, they hug as the sun rises, bringing on a new beginning. So who would you say the star of this Batgirl series was, or stars? <laughs> Aren't stars pretty and look good and have a point? I don't know. Uh, 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 I mean, you, I mean, we have to say Steph and Cass, right? Or Do if, we, though? And then Babs. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to tip my hand. I feel like the story is structured so that Babs is the star of the show and that really anchors yeah. me because Yeah. We were told that this was going to be a Stephen Cass story, but I feel like I was suckered into reading a Babs story. And if they'd been upfront about this and said, you know, Stephen Cass are here to rescue Barbara Gordon to save the day. Like I wouldn't have been super happy cuz I I want a Stephen Cass story. But I feel like they said, this is going to be a Stefan Castor, and then they gave me a Bab story. And I, I don't appreciate that. Again, just just do the whole thing. Say it's a Batgirl story. Don't say Batgirls, you know, that's focusing on staffing, Stefan Cass. <clears throat> just let down. Just this last issue just gave me let down after let down. And, and I'm, I'm, so sorry about that again. Big, huge Vida Yellow fan, but man, this really, this she really turned me off with with this story. Yeah. I mean, it didn't seem like it was a good it, match. It, 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 implanted interface in her arm, titanium tip fingernails. Really, come on, that's who does well, that? And, 
so what really kind of confused the crap out of me is so the magistrate is everywhere. They have these bots that know where you're doing anything. You know, you know when you're scratching your butt, they know where you are. They're in everything, and yet they're going to let the resistance just have the prison courtyard and a like out in the open start a camp base like what <laughs> i i didn't understand the end at all like how how are they getting away with this in any way because the plot requires them to win uh, i i thought for as as op as they're making the magistrate to be the ending made zero sense to me the whole the the, the voice was just terrible i mean oh, yes. that yeah. was the voices the, in that, general that, were bad that that was that was not Cassandra Kane in in any way, shape, or form. Not you know, considering all, considering how you know she could have easily taken out of those guards, taken out those guards as she and Babs made their escape. I mean, again, it kind of goes to what you were saying with regards to them making. Babs the focal, you know, she had to get in and, and get her kicks in too to do what she did. I'm just, I mean, all the talking put aside. I mean, Cassandra, in 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 all her history, you know, just had the ability to do so much more with so little less, and we got. Absolutely nothing. I mean, we can talk about the whole traitor thing. We still have no idea what what Steph did to be called a traitor. It's I don't, I don't know. It it was just a big letdown. Yep, and I would also argue that uh, there was not very much attention paid to Steph's voice either. Yes, Steph can be sassy and she can be hard edged, but she's never this kind of orange is the new black character. Like a lot of this just felt very cliched and drawn from other things. And, you know, Steph is the daughter of an addict. Her mother uh, abused prescription drugs and had Steph get her, her drugs. And so that made a deep impression on her. And then having Steph just become a habitual smoker, that just feels so, so wrong and lazy to, to give her a bad girl trait instead of thinking about her actual history and what she would probably do. There's just no real sense of the history that these characters have. They they talk about once a Batgirl, always a Batgirl, but that doesn't mean anything if we don't see the characters they were when they were Batgirl. When Steph was Batgirl, she was optimistic and hopeful, and even in dark circumstances, she kept a brave face. That's not this Steph at all. When Cass was Batgirl, she was a strong, silent guardian who had pure standards and... You know, she was just so committed to the mission. This cast is sort of lost and has no commitment to the mission and is just loquacious as all get out. It's <laughs> it is not them. And then, of course, Barbara saves the day like she's the main character of the story. And, and, it, and it and it didn't feel it didn't totally feel like they were best friends who were at odds. It meaning Steph and Cass. It was almost as if they were a couple who were at odds with each other to where, you know, I'm just going to stop speaking to you. This is how bad this relationship has gotten. And there was nothing about it that, that would make me feel comfortable with Ayala 
doing a a whether a mini or a main series. It it just it just didn't work. I, I don't know what she was. I don't know what she was looking for. I don't know if she was guided more by editorial, what they were looking to do. I think there is a good chance because this is the same editor who edited the Castellucci Batgirl run. So <laughs> character yeah, consistency it, is not a good connection it, for it, this particular editorial. It, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, I would need to see a script you know, and, and approve of me before I would be in favor of Ayala writing Cass and Steph again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our final story. Gotham City Sirens. Do we have to? <laughs> let's make it quick. <laughs> Gotham City Sirens Part 2, Ladies Night Out, written by Paula Sevenbergen. Art by Emanuela Lupacino. The sirens arrive at one of Poison Ivy's hideout, a farm outside of Gotham, where she uses her skills to remove the bullet from Selena's shoulder. After removing the bullet, Dee Dee heads out to rest, because androids do that. While Selena falls asleep, courtesy of a secret Ivy elixir. The next morning... Catwoman is awakened by one of Ivy plant-based pets, who she shoes off after it scares her. She heads to the barn where she finds Dee Dee, who wanted to experience sleeping in the hay. Dee Dee is examining a shovel with blood on it, but before she can question it, the two are interrupted by Ivy, who informs them that Dee Dee's creator, Dilton, has put a, bon- a bounty on him. They decide to lay low. Later on, the trio's relaxing in a small pond where Dee Dee reveals how a creator implanted her with the memories of a dying young girl. This startles Selena and Ivy. As they turn their conversation to Bruce and Selena's on and off relationship, the GCPD arrives, looking to take them in. Ivy calls for Rover the plant monster that scared Selena earlier, who promptly attacks and eats the officers. Knowing the hideaway is no longer a secret, the sirens take off. They're eventually chased by magistrate drones and cybers. Guns are blazing. As they catch up, the cybers, somehow recognizing Dee Dee as one of them, cease firing allowing the sirens to escape death. They're suddenly approached by Delton, who is looking to take Dee Dee home. Dee Dee refuses to leave, instead removing the memory chip from her head, giving it to Selena. The chip was also the key to the cybers not firing on her, and with the chip no longer implanted, Dee Dee is destroyed. The sirens give the memory chip to the resistance, who uses it to learn more about magistrate technology. They also use the chip to take down Dilton for violating human rights. So I only have one question. Why does this story exist? Uh, so in Red versus Blue, there's a character who she says just awful, terrible, horrible things all the time. And whenever she talks, people go, yeah. 
wait, what? Because they haven't processed what she said. And so every response to her is, wait, what? Like, I can't believe the crap just came out of your mouth. That is what every page of this was for me. I was, I'd read the page. Wait, what? <laughs> Ivy has a, has a what? Why are they in a bath? Why are they? Why is she? I, 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 it was all, it was all garbage. It was all garbage. Maybe they just needed a place to put this story and justify the price tag on this book. It was trash. Yeah, it, it, it definitely wasn't. It definitely was trash and probably placed in for some type of contractual <laughs> reason, you know, or just because it was one of the stories that was laying around and they had to, as Steph said, justify the the price of the book. And so just put those pages in there. God, they could have gotten they could have gotten more pages out of the Outsiders or something. And, and yeah, let's make Outsiders a four issue mini. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they could have did Outsiders, you know, and, and did the next Batman pretty much the way they did with uh, Dark Detective and just have two stories instead of three. They, they, they would... Do you know what they should have done? The backups should have been the Fox family, how they got theirs. The backup of... Why Tanya feels the way she does? Why 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 Luke feels the way? Like just just instead of making us wait for a second son or whatever, just have the backups be more of the same story, and then we well our problems with Batman wouldn't have been there. <laughs> Too much sense. That's why. <laughs> All right. Still so have let, the Batgirls be involved. Well, Sorry. but we'd want a different story. <laughs> At I, least I would. What would we give the next Batman number four as an overall rating out of? Four mother hitting batarangs. I mean, five mother hitting batarangs. Well, if that's our, our thing, then five out of five mother hitting batarangs, because that's all this book is good for, is hitting people with this book. Uh, I uh, Two. And that's being generous, too. Uh, the Batman story was not good enough to make up for the garbage that was the backups. Um, I gave it a... A two and a, two and a half on the site, and I'm I'm sticking by it. It, it what a way to end this. It, I mean, it was just just bad. I, there's better story. These guys are much better at storytelling than what they gave us in this issue, and I'm I'm quite disappointed, very disappointed. Now, of course, we get to see John Ridley perhaps make up for a lot of it. When Second Son is released this week, but um, I'm just very disappointed. I did like Ridley's voice. Like, I liked his Batman. I think the weaknesses were the limited amount of issues and the amount of story and back story you had to tell and didn't have time to and then these horrible backups. Oh, oh I totally agree. I mean, and, yeah. if, and, if, and if you look at if you look at what I gave the previous three issues, you know, mm-hmm. they were they were they were strong because I truly enjoyed what really did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people questioned, well, you know, you gave this book a four and you gave it a three and a half or a four. And they were strong, strict, you know, almost. Because, I mean, outside of outsiders, <laughs> those, those ratings were based on what Ridley did in those first three chapters but the way this one 
turned out. It was just I just couldn't justify it was it was bad. And then when you add in the mess we got after it, it, it just made it worse. So mm-hmm. take the two and a half and, and live with it, DC. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna be with Steph. I'm gonna give it a two. It I would say the art for all three uh stories is good, but the writing just fell apart for me on all of them. And I wanted, I wanted to like this. Like, I, I feel like I, I don't want to say that I, I went in being like, oh man, I'm, I'm not willing to accept any of these things. But I just look at them and I think that it is not good craftsmanship. So that wraps up our coverage of the next Batman number four. And now for something completely different. Whether you are a first time TBU Comics podcast listener a 13-year veteran, or anything in between. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TBU Bat Family and let us know what you think. Thank you, Steph, for that wonderful segment. And now let's move to our Dark Detective number four review. first section is Dark Detective Finale, written by Marco Tamaki, illustrated by Dan Mora. Hannah, Bruce's landlord's daughter, sits in a meeting at Magistrate HQ, with Peacekeeper 1 demanding a report on the drones Bruce has been capturing or destroying. Meanwhile, Bruce tries to save his landlord and Hannah, knocking them both out and taking them away from the building, which he blows up as Peacekeeper 1's drones attack destroying them. Hannah wakes up in Bruce's safe house, revealing that she plans to expose the magistrate's plan of total surveillance, no privacy, through secret recordings. Batman uses the tech he's been piecing together to infiltrate the magistrate and blow up their headquarters. He finds Hannah in the HQ and tells her to flee. Batman engages Peacekeeper 1 in the building as Hannah escapes, keeping his primary foe fighting until the explosion of Bruce's bombs seemingly kills them both. So first question about Dark Detective is, who, who is Peacekeeper 1? Like, he takes off his mask, but who is this dude? Does it matter? Well, I feel like he's supposed to be the big bad for Bruce Wayne, and the only people I could think he was is maybe Jacob Kane or Colony Prime, but they never say. It It just feels like an anticlimax when he takes off his mask, and I'm like, who's that? Do you remember in, in, oh, dang it, Justice League, the show, I think it was Justice League Unlimited, the Flash changes bodies with, um, with Lex Luthor, and Lex is like, I will now figure out who the Flash is, and he takes the mask off, and he stares in the mirror, and he's like, I have no idea who this person is. If nothing else, I can at least learn the Flash's secret identity. I have no idea who this is. <laughs> No, I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, I don't know. I mean, this this reveal was pretty much the same as when your boy revealed himself at the end of Brian Hill's arc on 
detective or, you know, Asterisk Reveal as the Arkham Knight. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, now that Ian mentioned Jacob Kane, you know, that would have been something interesting. But I mean, the other thing that kind of ruins this, you know, him revealing himself at the end of Dark Detective is he was already revealed in, wasn't it in the the Arkham Knight story where he already had his, his helmet off when he was talking to Peacekeeper 6? I mean, it wasn't close up, but you, you could clearly see, you know, the red-haired mohawk. So I, I don't know. Obviously, he doesn't seem to be important, but I was never really impressed with, with Peacekeeper 1 anyway, con- considering, you know, how the magistrate is being run. It, it's not that smart of an organization now that the resistance seems to be fighting back. I had actually forgotten that was a thing that happened because it was underwhelming. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like we were building up and building up to Peacekeeper 1 and, and then he's a literal who unless he's secretly one of these people I named and if that's the case, they should have said that. And yeah. I don't know. I was a little disappointed by the Peacekeeper 1 thing. What do you think about this conclusion? Do you think Bruce is actually dead in this explosion? Oh, I figured this was the pref- the the preface the preface what am i trying to say the prequel (laughs) what happens before catwoman yeah that's what i thought too what do you think theo does that make sense to you probably i mean i could see it going both ways but yeah i could i could see it possibly happening yeah i mean because we would assume he's like knocked out and he's like in this weird uh suspended animation tank in the train in catwoman so i would say the the magistrate's forces found him and, you know, stuck him on the train. And that made sense to me in terms of transition. Yeah. I'd say this is one of the stories where the ambiguous non-ending didn't bother me at all because from what they've explained of the timeline and limited amount that they have, it made sense that it was like, okay, he's now presumed dead. And that's why everyone was shocked that he was alive. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, everyone's shocked in Catwoman that he's alive. Spoiler. Right, right. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. All right. What did you think about the the plot of the the surveillance? Do you think that's wrapped up, or do you think that it's a setup for what Damaki's going to do in her main run? I don't know. I mean, I feel like if they go that route, it's going to be totally different than what's happening in Batman, and that wouldn't make sense. But that's never stopped DC before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how does Tom King's run fit with James Tynan's run? I suppose. I love both or of them. Anyone. I have no idea how they're supposed to fit together. That's true. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I will say that I think Tamaki's, Tamaki's run on Detective might have the best chance of connecting with future state, seeing that at least at least for now, you know, because we don't know all that JT is is going to be doing once once we get into March, but at least for now, Detective seems to be the story, or at least the book right now that has all of the key players that will eventually lead into future state particularly Nakano. Now, I'm, I'm sure he's going to show up at some point in in Batman, but, I mean, he's already established 
in Detective. So I think Tamaki has the best chance to bring the Gotham books into future state. But we shall see. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm I'm definitely very excited for both Batman and Detective going forward. I think that's good. I think after a break, you should be excited about what's going to happen next. Let's move to our second story of Dark Detective number four, which is Red Hood number two. Ravager and Red Hood, having found Mad Hatter's corpse and discovering that Jason is now wanted by the magistrate, face a choice, and Rose decides to fight Jason with her sword. Jason disappears on his bike. He contacts Magistrate HQ, and they say his targeting was a mistake, but send drones out to kill him. Peacekeeper 3 and some cybers, from Robin Eternal, track a wounded Jason, so he decides to let himself be controlled by the Red Hood Mad Hatter technology, which takes him to the villain White Rabbit. She monologues that she used to work for the Magistrate, but found it boring. Ravager arrives, having seen the location with her precognitive powers, and threatens to kill White Rabbit. Ravager and Red Hood fight, and she frees him by breaking the helmet. White Rabbit reveals that they all work for the same boss, just as drones attack viciously. Jason and Rose run frantically, but end up cornered. Rose pretends to be bringing Jason in alive, and the drones leave. Jason says he wants to run away from Gotham with Rose, but later reveals, while talking to Peacekeeper 3, that he's staying around after bringing in the White Rabbit, who was secretly on a list the Magistrate was hunting. Jason also meets with someone mysterious in a dark alleyway, revealing that he's building a case against the power behind the Magistrate, and that he can't leave Gotham with Rose until the case is complete. So, questions about Red Hood. Who is Jason meeting in this alleyway? <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Probably Batman or Nightwing. I'm, I'm, thinking it's, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably actually truly Bruce. And it's simply because of that line of, you know, it, it's daytime, you know, you need to get you some sleep. So I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking it's Bruce. It, it, it's, it's been Jason's MO, you know, from throughout the outside, I mean, throughout the Red Hood and the Outlaws run, you know, to have this persona of a bad guy while secretly being a member of the Bat family and, and, and working under the watchful eye of Bruce. I really think it's it's Bruce he's speaking to. I agree. It just um, feels so much more like a Batman thing. I was surprised that this ended in a cliffhanger, although given that Williamson and the Red Hood story are going to be the first thing in the continuing Gotham Future State series, I guess it makes sense. But I thought that was a late addition. So maybe it was planned a bit further back. What is the real plot of this story? I got a little confused because there's a lot of things going on in the second issue that I'm not sure how they all work together. What what do you think the real plot is of Red Hood? I think it's to show that the magistrates got their hands in a lot of different directions and you literally don't know who to trust because the people working for the magistrate and the people they're working against, they also seem to be working for the magistrate. And it seems like the magistrate will use who they have to use to get to their own end. And I, I actually really liked this. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but I thought it was clever. I thought Jason using the the helmet to find the cult, the evildoer was, was clever. I thought Rose saving him was was cute and made sense a little bit. <laughs> And I like seeing that Jason w is working. He's willing to get his hands really dirty to, to work for, for Batman. 
And I think that shows a loyalty, but also explains his anger and his attitude a lot. So I I liked it. And I, I, I liked it. And as far as the magistrate goes, I do like the, seeing how how deep the rabbit hole goes <laughs> with the magistrate, which is why the, the Batgirl story just hacked me off so much. Yeah. Oh, you had to mention that again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The first time I read the first time I read this story, I just saw it as very, very corny. On a second read, I still saw it as corny, but I liked it. It 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 was a much better read the second time around. And I still don't want Jason with Rose when all is said and done. Jason Artemis for life. Yeah, but but I can I can I can see this I can see this story leading to the new Future State Gotham book, although it kind of ruins it from the standpoint of, you know, Jason hunting the family down. Well, we know now, you know, that he's not really doing it. You know, he's pretty much he's pretty much continuing that whole undercover MO that he's always had going back to the days of of the outlaws where you know he's gonna have this this bounty hunter persona while still investigating what the magistrate is doing yeah i think that for me it just felt a little disjointed as a story there were just so many things going on that didn't quite seem to match together for example jason says to to rose let's go to your dad's island and then he talks to the peacekeeper and he's like, nah, whatever. I'm not going with Rose. And then he talks to the voice in the alley that we think is Batman. And he's like, I need to go. And the voice is like, no, you have to stay. So it's like three different things that Jason says he's planning on doing. And I don't know which one he's planning on doing. It, it doesn't seem consistent to me. I also do like, I didn't actually feel this way the first issue, but Steph mentioned that the way Jason treats Rose is, is kind of jerkish. And I really felt that in this issue. I, I really didn't think he was treating her very respectfully in this issue. I I sort of read Jason's act or, you know, mishmash of, of what he's going to do as he's so undercover. He probably sometimes is talking about fantasy. Like I think neither him nor Rose really thought he was saying, let's go to your dad's Island. I think that's just a fantasy conversation you have when, you obviously can't do it. Like, let's leave the kids and go to the Bahamas. <laughs> you know, you can't leave your children behind and go to the Bahamas. One, you probably can't afford it because you have children. And two, you can't just leave your kids behind. But it's a fantasy you like to tell yourself just in that moment, right? So that's how I read his his thing with Rose. And then Batman's always telling him what to do. <laughs> that makes a lot and of I sense. Just- I guess I hadn't thought of that way. What were you saying, Theo? Oh no, I was just gonna I, I was just gonna make my uh typical makes too much sense to happen line. <laughs> so with all these questions uh, about Dark Detective number four, our finale of Gotham Future State until we meet again, which is coming in I I think it's May, isn't it? Is that's when that one's starting? What would you uh, the Gotham but yeah. What would you give Dark Detective, number four, out of five Mad Hatter-controlled helmets. I'm going to say four. It's not really what I think. 
but 3.5 again, it just seems too low. And I always give things 3.5. And I really did like both stories. And I really thought, I thought they were kind of clever. I really, oh, and one thing we didn't talk about is, uh, is uh, the daughter, the daughter's turnabout and, and anti-magistrate uh, thing. That was a cool twist that I really liked in the Dark Detective story. So I, re- I, I ended up really liking the daughter, whatever her name was, Rachel, Rebecca, whatever. So I, I, I was not disappointed when I finished reading these. So I'll give them a four. Well, I will go ahead, since you're unwilling, I will go ahead and give it a three and a half. <laughs> I'm going to give it a three just because I feel like they didn't quite convince me of the endings. So that gives us an average of 3.5. Good for you. <laughs> I know. I finally get the math right. <laughs> Let's move on to Greater Gotham. And we have some some interesting things to talk about today. Uh, First one in Greater Gotham is going to be Nightwing number two. We have Nightwing and the next Batman fighting off the Magistrate's forces at Arkham Asylum. And a bunch of the Bat family in the Resistance make their way to join the battle. I'm going to be completely biased and petty. And I'm going to say that this issue had good art and decent writing, but I am very frustrated because they promised that there would be Batgirls and we got Cass and Barbara and Steph was completely left out. And I'm frustrated by that. And so I don't like it. Opinion has been noted. I thought it was all right. I I don't know. I think I was disappointed, but I don't really know why. I think it was a little more... I don't know. It was fine. There was nothing really wrong with it, in my opinion. It just, I don't know. Something was not quite epic about it. I don't know. The omission of Stephanie was not epic. <laughs> the omission of Steph, that's all it was. I finished reading and I thought, you know what was missing? My namesake. Just kidding. I wasn't named after her. Well, I actually thought it was okay as well until Ian and I were discussing it on the server after um, we got the preview copy and he kind of brainwashed me into hating it. Um, <laughs> hating My it more power. Than, than I did. Yeah, the, the art was great, but... Yeah, Nicholas Scott. It, yeah, but there was something... I don't know. There was something about, of course, you, 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 you didn't have all of the Bat family. But then, I don't know, there was something... I think they could have done more with the dynamic between he and Jace and if we had more issues we probably could have gotten that yeah this one but, I think really should have been more issues yeah but it I don't know I, I, I the the dynamic we saw between those two in that first issue and how they interacted with each other was pretty damn good and I wish we could have gotten a lot more of that or even or even built upon it and we didn't and I think that took away from from the story for me. Yeah, I think my expectations for this one were really pretty high and so I think that's kind of what killed it for me. It's like there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not as awesome as I thought it would be. Speaking of in things that were awesome, uh, the next book in Greater Gotham is Catwoman number two, written by Ram V, art by Otto Schmidt. And I'll start us off. This book was awesome. This book was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, this book you know, should have been given a full-fledged review, and I am yeah. 
quite disappointed that I didn't fight for it to be a part <laughs> of a, a main review because I've been saying from the moment he appeared writing in in the main line on Catwoman 25 that Ram V has made a believer out of me and he continues to do so. And I agree. This is a triumph of art and writing. It's just good. He he has the voice he gives Selena and the strays and I mean even the interaction between her and Talia once they once they find Bruce and the baby's mama with the ex fiance and that was just so good. He's made he he's just made a he's made a believer out of me. Had we been rating this, I would have given this a five out of five. Like this, I was on the emotional roller coaster. I expect to be in a five out of five book. I I stopped during the moment and I sighed and I breathed. Let, let's be clear. And I read the it moment again. is the kiss. <gasps> is the kiss between Bruce and I was so good. And the build up to that, like that was uh <laughs> Oh, so good. That was next best thing to a bat cat wedding that I think I will ever get. So I was, I was very happy. This is a happy bat cat fan right here. I, for every one of these events, usually a lot of the stories are a little mid tier, not bad, but not great. But there's always one or two that really stand out as fantastic. And when Convergence came around, that was a really weird and kind of disappointing event. But you had Convergence The Question by Greg Rucka and Kali Hamner. And you had Convergence Shazam with Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner. And those two stories were masterpieces. They were both two-issue miniseries, so they didn't have a lot of room, but they used the room they had perfectly and that's what ram v has done here Uh, and i would argue that's what is it brandon thomas who wrote outsiders yes so i'd say brandon thomas with outsiders and ram v with catwoman created the masterpieces of future state those and of course sumit kumar and otto schmidt on art were a big part of those stories being as good as they were it was they were perfectly paced in terms of they didn't have too much happening in them, so they felt like they needed more room, like the Nightwing story, and they didn't feel too small, like the uh, the, the next Batman story. They, they felt the right size. They gave you a really lots of emotions, whether it's mm-hmm. that's so cool or I'm really invested or that's so sad or there's it's just so many emotions going on in both of those stories. And I don't give five out of fives. But I think if I were rating this Catwoman, I might give it a five out of five strays. <laughs> uh, he, knowing Ian, if he could, because he can, he probably would have said, "I will give this a not a five, a four point nine nine <laughs> nine eight. I mean, the only thing missing is an appearance by Stephanie Brown. So maybe I would have said, <laughs> "We're taking one percent away from this." <laughs> The next book in Greater Gotham is actually a different future. It is Batman Catwoman number three. We have our first major appearance by Helena Wayne, the Batwoman of Gotham in the future. And her costume is interesting. Unfortunate. I I am not personally a fan of the costume because it basically looks like she's run around naked with a weird football, like, shoulder pads on. Spider Woman art 
trauma flashback when I saw her costume. Like, you remember the whole... Yes, but the anatomy was yeah. better than the Spider-Woman one. That's true, yeah. But still, still it was... She She really looks like she's running around naked with football pads she on. Does. It, it, it was just a, a bad take on trying to pay homage to Batman and, and, and Catwoman. Yeah, and I I think that's interesting because Catwoman's costume really is just kind of skin tight, and if you but somehow the art on that just to really emphasize certain body parts of superhero. <laughs> yes, that superheroes really. I don't know. I don't know. It seemed not nice. That being said, I liked the way they portrayed the character of Batwoman. I thought she was cool, and yeah. I've been talking to some people on on various Discord servers about future Batman or who's going to lead the Bat family when Batman's gone. And I think this, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where Tom King takes uh, Helena as the head of the Bat family. I think that's a, a cool take and I'm excited to see where it goes. Do, do you get the feeling that she knows Selena's behind something involving Joker's death? Definitely get the feeling that she suspects something. I like that she has the integrity. There's none of this... Bat, ne- or it doesn't appear so far that there's a lot of bat nepotism of, of oh, my mom did it, so we're just going to pretend like no one killed the Joker. <laughs> it's like, no, she's she's willing to keep her, make her mother a suspect and to question her. So I like that. I am really, I'm just really curious what's going to happen. Um, I'm reading these issues once because it's my experience with a Tom King miniseries that you really kind of need to go back and reread when there's a bunch of issues. So I think around issue nine, I'm going to, well, actually it's probably going to be issue six because we're going to have a break with a special in uh, June. Uh, So around issue six, I'm going to reread all of them together and try and see where the plot is at that point. And then I'll probably do it again at nine and 12. We also had White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number five. This series is coming to an end and we see some very strong uh, Bruce Harley shipping in uh, Bruce breaking out of jail to save Harley. I thought that was cute. That was cute. And the last thing in our Grey Gotham is a very interesting piece. Um, DC Universe Infinite has been doing a series called Let Them Live, which is inventory issues, which is issues that were written as standalones in case the main writer of a series gets behind. And this was uh, an issue of Nightwing from the Rebirth era in which he's actually fighting the Order of St. Dumas that we last saw in Batman and Robin Eternal. And it's written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, who were the people who recreated the Order of St. Dumas in that uh, weekly miniseries. And so I thought that was a really cool thing. The whole issue is basically Nightwing jumping from a satellite uh, basically in high or in low orbit and fighting robots on the way down and jumping on a plane and jumping out of a plane. And it's kind of a classic adrenaline junkie thing with really fun art by Jorge Corona, who I know from We Are Robin. I definitely would check it out if you have DC Universe. I mean, why, why not? It's free. But I, I would definitely say this is a fun issue, and I enjoyed it a bit more than the, the other issue we've gotten so far. So... This is the end of Future State. What do you, my co-hosts, feel about Future State in general? Well, so there wasn't an ending. (laughs) There definitely wasn't an ending. I think the most ending-ish thing we got was probably Nightwing and Catwoman 
because they both end with the resistance going strong, but that's basically it. Um, I'd be interested in a reading order, but I don't know if there was enough information at the beginning to justify the beginning, and then there's no resolution at the end for there to be an end, so I don't know what point <laughs> a reading order would have. But the stories that we got, there were enough gems in there that I say this was worth it. I really liked the new Batman voice. I loved Dark Detective. I loved Outsiders. Loved Catwoman. Robin was fine. And then, you know, you had some turds because you're always going to have some turds. But you have turds in the main comic line, too. So yeah. it's not like yeah, we're... Yeah, exactly. That, it didn't feel like there was an unusual percentage of trash to goodness. It was just unfortunate that the Batgirls and the Sirens were the trash ones. Oh, my goodness. Not a good uh, way to end. Yeah. Uh, what do you, What about you, Theo? From the beginning, I wanted to say that I wanted to say that I loved Future State. Unfortunately, I can't say that I did. It's just the fact that you know things were just so thrown out there from a from a timeline standpoint confuses the hell out of a person to kind of take them out of it and. You know, with the exception of a few, a lot of the stories ended with a thud, and and it just it it just makes me wonder what we would have gotten had we just been given five G again. Call it what you want, call it future state, call it generations, what have you. But we should have gotten a full story and. To get the story that we that we did get and are going to be getting, you know, whether it's whether it's Future State Gotham or with um, Second Son, I just think this could have been this could have been much better than what we got. And, you know, just looking a little bit outside of the Gotham books. I think the Gotham books were, you know, compared to the others, just seemed a little bit too convoluted to to make much sense. And and maybe it's because, you know, the Batman universe is more vast and there's just more stuff out there. But I really wanted to love Future State, uh, at least the, the Bat books and... In the end, I was left a little underwhelmed. I, I think I tend more towards Steph. I did, I did want to love it like Theo did, and I was very excited going in. And I will say that I don't think my excitement was completely justified. Um, I do quite honestly think that both Outsiders and Catwoman were really excellent comics, worth being excited about. But they weren't the flagship comics, and I think that is a bit disappointing that they didn't make sure that the flagship comics of uh, the next Batman was really, you know, the top-tier story, especially with the ending. I, I also enjoyed several other of the comics. I enjoyed Robin Eternal, of course. I also enjoyed... I mean, I I did enjoy Nightwing, despite my saltiness about the um, <laughs> the pointless erasure of Stephanie. Uh, I enjoyed most of the next Batman. It's just the ending that I was I was a bit frustrated by because I didn't feel as well crafted as the first three chapters. But yeah, I, I would say that this was a worthwhile experiment that maybe needed 
I could see the coordination, but maybe needed more overt coordination, more editor's notes, more maybe a spine book where you have just laying out where all the books go. And I, I'm, I'm still kind of surprised they didn't do that with this final week. Just release a book that said, well, here's where this happened and here's how it connects to each other and stuff. But maybe they're planning to do that with Future State Gotham ongoing series. We asked our listeners what they thought of Future State, and we got several responses. Okay. R-E-L-T-D pod Rob. So Rob from Everyone Loves the Drake. Everybody loves the Drake? I always get that wrong. Anyway, he says, glad it's over. I only picked up one book during this time. I've had two months off with no comics, and I gotta say, I didn't miss it. <gasps> if more of this change keeps coming, I don't know how much longer I'll be a new comic book guy. It might just be strictly back issues for me, making changes for the sake of change. And to be clear, the one issue that Rob picked up was Robin Eternal. Robin. (laughs) (laughs) Two Loves Betty Kane, who is a Discord member, says, Oh, I have been really enjoying Future State. So far, only a few duds. My favorite parts of Future State are Green Lantern backups and Aquaman. And that is an interesting point. Uh, (laughs) I I bought for myself uh, the Robin Eternal, Catwoman, and Immortal Wonder Woman miniseries. And those were my favorites in terms of overall coherency. I thought Aquaman was actually a good one. I think Light Nightwing is another one that could have used another issue or two, just because there's so many cool things to learn about Andy, uh, Aquaman and Mara's daughter, and Jackson, the new Aquaman, who used to be Aqua Lad or Aqua Boy. The Green Lantern was really uneven for me. I didn't like the main story, and unfortunately that's the guy who's going to be writing the main uh, title, but maybe it'll be different, because Part of the thing I didn't like was it just felt like kind of a generic fantasy war comic. And that's because the Green Lantern powers were completely gone. So with the Green Lantern powers functioning, I would assume that it would be a much more science fictional story, maybe more what I'm looking for. Yeah, let's go on. Okay. The professor says... I've read almost nothing beyond what I'm reviewing. I don't have strong feelings about it. I'm just personally not really interested in the idea of future state Gotham. I find the dark multiverse stuff marvelly and uninteresting, other than the Batman who laughs. So I'm just patiently waiting for the main books and continuity to restart. Not mad about it, though. Stuck out... Oh, it's <laughs> an emoji. <laughs> uh, stuck out tongue with the winking eye. I don't know. I feel the same of more sci-fi... University plots feel more marvelly than Batman University, which is Gotham-centric and hence really focused in an urban cityscape generally. There are exceptions for this, i.e. Darkseid, etc., which, unsurprisingly, I do not care for. Obviously, there are other DC characters where we get more of this, such as Green Lantern, Soups, etc., so maybe it's not quite fair to call it marvelly. Still, there's so much of that in so many Marvel characters and arcs. Immortal Hulk has that going right now, for example. Um, I think those are a lot of really good points. I've enjoyed this a lot more just because I kind of like the cyberpunky thing. I especially liked just the way Dan Mora drew the dark cyber future in Dark Detective. And the whole thing about the platinum nails, that's very much from Neuromancer by William Gibson, which is a classic cyberpunk thing. I just don't think it was at all well done. It's not a good reference that really says anything about the characters who have it. 
because the character who has the platinum nails in um in neuromancer is an assassin uh, and she uses those as a, a weapon they're they're basically just razor tipped fingers and she can just kill people very easily with those in a subtle way but none of the characters who have them really use them in that deadly way so it felt like kind of a a wasted reference but i do like in general the cyberpunk feel all right and then of course why don't we have theo read uh, his own comment uh, i said this yep yeah makes no sense <laughs> yeah it, it it did it really sucked that they tried to tie future state to metal you know knowing that that wasn't the original the original plans especially considering Snyder was so against it, you know? So if Snyder was against it coming from Didio, while all of a sudden now is he for it? So. Yep. I think that's totally fair. I don't, they, they kept mentioning metal in those little prologue paragraphs at the beginning of each issue. And I'm just sitting here thinking none of this ties into metal. That's very silly. Uh, I think I read one of those. Well, they they were all the same, but I read it once and I was like, I don't, what? <laughs> Wait, <Yeah>. what? <laughs> Just say it's the future. You know, like in, uh, what is it? X-Men Days of Future Past. The future. <laughs> With Patrick Stewart saying it. With Patrick Stewart. And then, of course, Steph, why don't you read your own comment? Oh, yeah. I said, life is short. Read what you want. Except poor Theo and the other reviewers. They have to sometimes read unpleasantness. Because, people, this is entertainment. There's no one forcing you to read this. Except for people who work for TBU. <laughs> and and it's I mean, even that, like I didn't read I didn't read the the Arkham Knights. I just I had no desire to read that. I didn't. It's life is short. It's inconsequential. You're you are all smart. Oh yeah, I'm smart. But every you know, this is non consequential. This is not worth fighting over. This is not worth arguing over. It is fun to talk about, but if you're not having fun, then you need to stop. And so if you're reading comics for the sake of reading comics, stop. <laughs> if you're hating every moment of it, stop. We're going to die. And you won't want to be dead and having read all this horrible stuff. <laughs> anyway, YOLO. <laughs> that is a, that's a completely <laughs> proper use of YOLO. Most people use YOLO to... Uh, <laughs> To, to justify doing dumb stuff. But Steph is saying YOLO in Don't Waste the Time You Got, and that is completely Y'all appropriate. need to watch Lonely Island. The Lonely Island? Yes. The Lonely Island music video. <laughs> Cook your meat of, till of, it's done. Oh, it's like, don't take any chances, you know. Don't invest in anything but, like, secure portfolios, you know. <laughs> Get a bunker, don't go outside. <laughs> it's fabulous. All right. So last thing we're going to do before we close out is we want to thank our supporters. Um, we have Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin-Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Theodos Wright, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, and Brendan Roberts. Thank you all for supporting us. You help keep us on the internet and we really do this so that you have something to think about and and have some conversation going on about Batman comics, which we all love. Thank you all for listening. This is the end of future state and next episode, we're going to get into the heart of DC 
Infinite Frontier. And I'm very excited. We'll talk to you next time. This has been Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. Thanks for listening. Wait, wait.